Hey, bitches. I'm Jono. And I'm Dominic. And this, this is Jabber. Jabber. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Jabber. I'm with my co-host, Jono. Hey, bitches. And we have a special guest today. Yes! Karen Beistad. She's an artist, a photographer, and I'm so excited to have her be a part of the show. I'm so excited. She is the curator and owner of the Lost Warhols at the Beverly Center. And let's get into it. All right, let's go. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi. Welcome to my world. <laughs> <laughs> I love your harness. Oh, you do? Thank yeah. you. Well, you know, I'm fashion has become an art for me in the last two years. Um, I actually started color coordinating my wardrobe. You know what I mean? I have I have lots of clothes in white or in cream or pink or in silver. And then I just kind of together. (laughs) This is, uh, I just have to let everybody know and congratulate you on being cancer free. Yes. It's one of my biggest, really great. I was diagnosed in February and I went through chemo radiation and I said, I would warrior through it. I never felt like a victim. I was very proactive in my um, diet Mm. and supplements and research. And um, yeah, I just had surgery two weeks ago and cancer-free loves. And you're you're here. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, you know, I, this is a wig and I have a few wigs and I'm just loving it. Um, But I usually, my hair is blonde and I, I cut my own hair. I cut my wigs too. So while I was doing chemo, I didn't lose my hair, but um, it was coming out because my immune system went very low and the hair was everywhere. So one day I just took a scissors and cut it this short. Oh, wow. And, um, and then I thought, okay, I'm going to start doing the wigs like Andy Warhol did. And I'm gonna, yeah. now I can do all the different color wigs. Yeah. I was going right. to say, that kind of looks like a little Warhol wig. <laughs> <laughs> So, Karen, I want to kind of tell our listeners um, how we know you. Okay. And um, so, how, where do we begin? Joseph is our friend. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joseph, I photo- Joseph. Yeah, I photo- he photographed me. And I don't know how you and Joseph know each other, Jono. Um, we just, like, started seeing each other at all the events, like, that we have right. in L.A. and. Like, we're like, you know, like, hey, what's your name? Hey, what's your name? And so, like, we're like, he was like, I'm a photographer. I was like, I'm a photographer too. And like, let's look at each other's work. And I'm like, hey, let's follow each other on Instagram. And it's like, okay. And that's how we built like our little like friendship. And then, so we had him on our, our podcast um, for okay. two episodes, actually. Mm-hmm. And we talked about censorship and the Me Too movement. Um, so he invited us to his exhibit where he was showcasing his work. And mm-hmm. so we went to support him. And that's when we came into your store, which is where the exhibit was held. That's at. right. I host, I hosted um, the show and Steve Galindo curated yes, it. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thrilled to do so. Joseph is such a talent. And, you know, I'm all about inclusion 
in my art and, you know, also in terms of how I curate. Um, and so it was, unfortunately, you know, I think I, I had was, I was in the hospital, I believe I had surgery, so I wasn't able to go to the event, but no, yeah, we missed you. Um, but when Steve, when I met Steve, he was like showing me around and, um, he, I was with Jono and Steve was like, oh, so he, you know, taking us around and he's just like, yeah. And he's tell, talking about the owner and he's like, and she did this and, she, and we're going to get into what she did what you did. Um, but he's just telling us all your accomplishments and what you've done. And we're like, she's really interesting. We've got to get her on, on the show. Well, I'm thrilled to be here to join you guys today. You know? Um, yeah, you know, I, um, what would you like to know first? Well, um, let's start off with like, you know, way back, um, like early, early days, uh, before, like, just how you got into the arts and photography without anything specific that we're going to touch on later. Okay. Well, I'm going to grab a book that I'm in this year, a biopic of Andy Warhol, um, which came out this year. And um, it's called Warhol by Blake Gopnik. Mm-hmm. And it's it really in the, uh, the number, I think it's in the hundred, but bestseller list, 100 list in the world. And it's just, um, Blake actually interviewed me in 2014, and it took him seven years to write this book. Um, And he ended the book with my photograph of Andy Warhol. Nice. um, Holding the American flag. And this came about when I was more or less a teenager. Um, I was at NYU film school. I was 18 and I was going to be a film major. And then I had a boyfriend who had a lot of clothes and a camera and I started taking pictures of him. So all of a sudden I, you know, developed this passion for, uh, fashion photography. And I, um, was an intern at a very big, um, fashion photographer in the 80s, an Italian guy named Marco Glaviano, who was doing a lot of work for Harper's Bazaar and Italian Vogue. And um, so I interned. I was an intern um, when I got school credit for it. And I met all the top models because every model, male and female, came into that studio. Mm-hmm. And I came up with this idea to do a book or a project at the time about male models. Um, I think I have the book here, so let me go grab it. Um, And um, so I was always perusing um, GQ magazine. And then one day I saw a picture of Andy Warhol um, kind of leaning on these. Oh, you know what? You know what? People have taken my books. That's how popular they are. I forgot. I don't even have one cannot believe that um anyway you can actually still get them on amazon they're about a hundred dollars it's called not just another pretty face Uh um and anyway i saw this ad with andy warhol and i'm an out-of-the-box thinker in general so i was like oh my god i've got to get andy in my book and i was a club kid as well so i used to see andy out and about everywhere plus i also loved art so i used to go to some art shows, you know, and he was always there one time with Basquiat, which was incredible. 
And so I called Interview Magazine because that's where he was. And, you know, I did not expect what happened to happen. But what happened was he answered the freaking phone. Oh, wow. And I recognized his voice because yeah. Andy spoke in a very distinct, slow. Yes, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> deliberate way. So, you know, it's one of those moments in life where you either choke or you just go for it. You know what I mean? And I went for it because, um, you know, I think no matter how young you are, whatever, if you have a very specific focus, it takes away the fear. So I said, oh, Mr. Warhol, this is Karen Hardy. That was my maiden name. Um, I'm working on a book on male models. I saw you in this amazing Barney's ad and I would love to photograph you for my book as a model. Mm -hmm. And he said, Oh really? <laughs> oh really? Well, who else do you have? And I said, well, I've got the Calvin Klein guy. I've got the Ralph Lauren guy. And he knew all those guys. And, you know, unbeknownst to me, he, you know, he was doing his 15 minute video series. Uh, and I only saw that when I, um, donated one of my pieces and was flown into the Warhol Museum, where my pictures are now part of the permanent collection. Wow. Um, and they took me into their archives and, you know, they have a whole segment upstairs of these videos. And there he was interviewing the models that were in my book. So he knew who they were. And um, that's after in, um, New York, right? New York City. Uh, this was the third... Andy Warhol had several phases in his career and, you know, people talk about um, the factory, but there were three yeah. factories. Um, there was a factory in the sixties. There was a factories in the seventies and then interview magazine, which was at union square uh -huh. uh, was the third factory, which yeah. was really more interview magazine at that point. And, um, but they had a, like for a while, they had this huge space downstairs. I think it was the tunnel where they had a disco. Okay. Yeah. You know, nightlife in the eighties was wild and yeah. incredible because you had, you know, you had, uh, drag queens, you had wall street, you had punks, you had, people who were just cool, like I was, <laughs> you know, um, and we were all in the same place kind of partying together. And, um, you know, it was a very creative time. I mean, if you were creative and fashion forward uh, and part of that, lucky enough to be part of that scene, um, it was an incredible time. And, you know, one of the things that was so beautiful about it was the inclusiveness of it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I, I remember when I moved to L.A. thinking how segregated L.A. was um, in, in terms of the nightlife. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you had the, the gay community, you had the, the straight community, the white community. You know, everyone was so segregated. And I think that's changing now again. But when I moved here in the 90s, that's kind of how it was a little bit. I'm sure there were exceptions, but it wasn't like New York where it was just all, um, you know, where everyone appreciated each other and hung it's out. It's still together. like that, though. In New York. Yeah. 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 In New York, New York is, is more fast forward than we are. Karen, did you live in there. Europe? Did you live in Europe? I did. I lived in Paris. Um, yeah. 
I lived in Paris for almost two years. Um, and I went out in Paris as well. And um, I traveled all through Europe. I had two German boyfriends. I went to Ibiza. I went to Mykonos. I also went to... Um, a lot of my friends were from Oslo, Norway. And um, they used to come visit me. And so I, I was always clad with like these really gorgeous Scandinavian fashion-y guys. So I'd go to the clubs and, mm-hmm. you know, with five, you know, <laughs> beautiful guys. And I'd go, here I am. <laughs> and they'd uh-huh. let us in. And then one of those guys ended up uh, starting a club in a couple clubs in Oslo, Norway. And he just wrote a book about it. So he became um, one of the prominent uh club kings in oslo and it was partly because he got so inspired uh isn't that crazy yeah his name was ulla thorvik and um the book is called nightlife or the last supper the last i don't know something it's 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 based on a da vinci uh famous painting but it's it's uh he called me the other day and he might want to host um a show in Norway for the Lost Warhols. So I'm kind of excited about that. Oh, wow. Hopefully that happens Mm -hmm. after COVID. That should be exciting. Yeah, and I also have a show coming up in Dallas uh, for the Lost Warhols. Yeah. Is it going to be the same? When is that? Um, Well, if all goes well, um, the first quarter of 2021, um, Stephen actually helped navigate that, Steve Galindo. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's going to be a huge show. Uh, you know, it's really up to COVID because um, they're building a space and it's been um, postponed. A lot of the, you know, the construction has slowed down because of COVID. But they're planning um, a huge event in Dallas. So it'll be uh, a lot of the pieces that I have that, from all over the world. You know, I've had shows, I don't know if you guys are aware, but I did a show in Switzerland last year, which went amazing in Lugano. Um, the year before, uh, Brown Thomas, which is a very chic, very upscale um, department store, hosted the Lost Warhols. Um, and then I had a huge show in New York City, you guys, God's Love We Deliver, which is a big uh, charity. They deliver meals. It started off being to AIDS, um, people who had AIDS, but now it's anyone who's dying who has terminal diseases. They hosted a huge show for me in um, Soho by the Dominic Hotel. Um, so the Lost Warhols is very collectible. And so that's, awesome. that's what the Lost Warhols, the, the Lost Warhols was conceptualized by me mm-hmm. um, to have other artists use my photograph mm-hmm. as a canvas or an inspiration. Okay. So Karen, um, one of the pictures I saw in your uh, store was the gold. You were covered in gold and uh, I have a shoot coming up i was hired for and i'll be painted all gold just like you were in that picture so what like what's the backstory with that how did what was the process with that well the backstory was that in 2015 i did a um i did a a nude self-portrait um and then i um 
also conceptualize having others kind of create art around me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'll show you one of those. But then what happened was all these people wanted to photograph me naked. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of like how it happens. Like once you get out there naked, everybody wants to photograph I know. So watch out. Everyone's going to (laughs) want to. But anyway, so then this female photographer said, look, I really want to photograph you. And I said, okay, but if I'm going naked, I'm going to be gold this time and I'm going to crown myself because people were calling me the queen at that point, you know? Um, so. They call me the same thing. Here she is. <laughs> That's right. So this there is, you this are. Is, yes. What are the markings? Um, you know, I have a sticker. I'll have to get, uh, maybe, you know, we could, we could, one of your audience could win a sticker. Um, but this was originally complete. I was naked and I had a, um, an, uh, Italian artist came in and asked me if he could paint on me. Yes. I love that. And it's okay. Um, it looks what it looks like. It looks like hieroglyphics. That's right. So he went to India and he kind of came up with these hieroglyphics and that's what he does. Was that done after? Was that done after or before? Oh, okay. After, after the sticker was gold. The sticker I'll show you what the sticker looks like. I have one. Um, yeah. Love oh, that. yeah. And I was naked. In Photoshop, I added, you know, just because people get a little crazy. But yeah. I, no, I was completely naked. Um, and then, of course, I, I painted my crown afterwards. I love that. Right. But no, naked, naked, naked. We will definitely post that on our social media so everybody can look at And in fact, um, one person put, it, it was a mural downtown. Someone ordered one 10 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And it was in a really weird area, but people loved it. I, you know, I, I think it's a very powerful, mm-hmm. um, I mean, wouldn't it be great to have naked men and women um, kind of, royal like that all in gold with crowns on all around because you know for me it was such a freeing experience um that sounds like saturday night at my house (laughs) (laughs) so i had i had two two people needed to paint me um i actually used um which i don't recommend but i used non-toxic um acrylic paint oh wow so I was actually literally painted in paint, and I think he's going to paint me in ma- gold makeup. He said, "Yes," and we talked about gold that. Gold makeup. That's, that's yeah. going to be um, safer. Yeah. Right. Okay. So, was it hard to get off after? It was. It took me two hours because the paint started to dry, and I literally had to like peel it off. I was in the shower. The paint was freaking everywhere it was such a nightmare getting it off but it was worth it because while I was gold and naked I put on some hip-hop music I um because I decided to channel different queens within myself and so I would I I danced and then I would kind of stop Mm -hmm. and that's when the photographer was able to take the picture and then I'd go again you know, and I channel different parts of myself because we all have, um, you know, we all have different parts. So I channeled the queen of strength. I channeled the queen of intimacy. I channeled the queen of compassion. The one that, this one is really the queen of compassion because look at her, her, um, 
Look, I, I talked to her in third person now because she became kind of her own entity. But do you see how the hands are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it receiving, giving, but receiving, really. Kind of like a Buddha. That's right. That's right. So, it, you know, it's kind of a spirit. It, it's kind of like naked, but spiritual in a way. Yeah. You know? With that, you're completely nude, right? And for Jono and I, we understand this all too well that we've been censored on social media and it's just getting more and more like that now. How do you feel about censorship? Have you been censored? Have photos like that been censored? Because you're completely nude. Yes. Yes. I, I, when I posted them completely naked, a lot of, they took them off several times. Um, yes. And, you know, I also, we know about that. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram just got even harder too, where they're, they're like anything that's anything. It's even to the point, like where they're threatening like their users now. So it's like, I did, you know, it's such bullshit because we've got porn stars on freaking, you know, internet and you've got these girls twerking and showing their ass. And, you know, like this is something that's empowering. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's nudity, but it's nudity that's, you know what I mean, with a message that, that has some integrity. And um, and then you have, you know, these very almost pornographic um, images yeah. that they allow. So but also, Karen, the there's a double standard, too, because, you know, I love her, Sharon Stone. Um, she was on... The, I don't know if you saw the picture, black and white. It was the cover of Vogue Portugal, I believe. And Sharon's in the pool, completely naked. And oh, yeah. she's like leaning back. And you can see her nipple. And she posted that on her Instagram. The nipple's not blurred out. And they allowed it. And I I'm saw like, that. So, yeah. It's like, so the rules don't apply to everybody, you know? I know. It's funny. Sharon Stone actually auctioned off. Um, my second photograph of Andy Warhol at Amphar. So, um, oh, wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, no, she's very, very interesting. And, but yeah, I, I do agree that the rules of Instagram and Facebook are not consistent whatsoever. It's kind of, it seems like it's at the whim of whoever is in charge of, of, of doing it. But, um, it's funny as that. They're, they're very, oh, we support the arts. We support, you know, the artist and everything like that. But I was like, do you really? Because like you're censoring them for just. No, I know because initially I didn't even have these things on my breast. That's probably why this came about because they censored it. Mm -hmm. You know, initial ones showed the nipples. Yeah. Yeah. You scribbled it out. I had to. But yeah, of of course. It's like, what, year, what even, year are we in that we, we can't, you know, like, accept? No, what? I know, I know, I know. We're going to take a little nap, and we'll be right back. Like to take a cement fix, bigger standing cinema. Dress my friends up just for show, see them as they really are. But the people in my brain Two new pens to have a go I'd like to be a gallery Put you all inside my show And 
Andy Warhol looks a scream. Have him on my wall. Andy Warhol, silver scream. Can't tell them apart at all. Alrighty, guys, that was Andy Warhol by David Bowie. Uh, Karen, why did you choose that song? I love David Bowie, and David Bowie was a huge fan of Andy Warhol's. Um, I didn't even know about that song till I found my negatives in 2012, and I was working to restore them with um, this guy from the archival department, and he uh, played that song for me, and I was like, "Wow, how cool!" You know, so it's it's the quintessential song about Andy Warhol by one of my favorite artists, David Bowie. Yes. What was the form of censorship for you when, before social media, because you were working, you were in the game in the 80s and the 90s before social media. So how were you censored before censorship online? Um, if you know, that, I wasn't. That applies. I was not because I did, I, you know, I did this, I ended up publishing my book called Not Just Another Pretty Face. And then I had a huge following for a while uh, in the gay community because I did these absolutely gorgeous pictures at sunset with all these beautiful men with no shirts on. But I didn't do, I, you know, the, you know what I mean? I was young. So I just did very traditional um, portraits of a lot of oh, okay, so it was more skin, but PG. It was, it was definitely PG, yeah, and that's why that the book sold forty thousand copies, mm-hmm. which was wow. a lot. Um, but how but, did how did how did people? It was more pinup, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, when you uh, like today, if someone has a following, it's because they follow you on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. How did people stay in touch with an artist like you back then? Um, I had, well, because I published books, um, so I published before they were famous and then I, I, then I did a book on actors called The New Breed, you know, film was my love. So I also photographed, um, people who I thought were going to have great careers and they were Brad Pitt, Johnny Depp, Jared Leto, um, Sandra Bullock, unbelievable. Robert Downey Jr. They all. How did you shoot Brad Pitt without losing your shit? (laughs) Keanu Reeves, because I was. Oh my god! I I like Keanu Reeves, not Brad Pitt. Um, I always like like weird guys. Brad Brad was beautiful, but he was just very conventional. but I loved him as a person and he, and, and some of my most beautiful photographs of, from that era were of Brad Pitt because he's such a, a beautiful subject and he's very comfortable in front of the camera. He's so and, pretty. Yeah. Beautiful. Baby Brad Pitt I, I was took, just like, oh. I remember being like, like 14 and I saw him on Tales from the Crypt and he was like this young bad boy type of character. Right. And I was just like, I was like, oh, who is this? And I was like, oh, it's Brad Pitt. Like, <laughs> I remember like being a 14-year-old boy. I'm like, oh, I know I'm gay. <laughs> I know because, you know, and Brad loved being the bad boy. Yeah. You know? And I mean, he really, um, he was a very intellectual person. He he had wanted to be a movie star since he was a, a little boy back in his, you know, playpen. He had dreamed of Hollywood. So yeah. 
It's a real story of, of, of belief in oneself, going for your dream and manifestation, you know? And now the guy's worth 300 million. Mm -hmm. I, I was looking up these people who I photographed before they were famous. Mm -hmm. And their net worth now, it, it's just so crazy. And the fact that I was able to get them before. So I, I got Brad Pitt right before Thelma and Louise came out. Wow. Um, so I really do have an eye for talent. Um, so I, I've, I've led a very blessed, interesting life, you know? Yeah. So Karen, I, I want to get to where we are presently today, where you came up with this store the Lost Warhols, a store that you own. Um, and how did that come Beverly about you, at the Beverly Center? Is that West Hollywood or Beverly Hills? Uh, it's Beverly Hills adjacent. Uh, West, it's, it's both, really. It's right in between. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how did the name, the Lost Warhols, come about? How did the whole thing happen? Well... The Beverly Center, you know, retail, a lot of retail is dying and the Beverly Center is trying to reinvent itself. And um, I had heard that they, you know, had spaces that um, were available. And so uh, Stephen Galindo, who was working with me at the time, and I sent a letter telling them about a concept we had for creating kind of a museum-like space, um, which would include my lost war holes. Uh, which are, you know, all of the um, the artwork that I've done with all these different artists. And um, they went to which my website. Which you lost. Yes. I lo lost. The reason it's called the Lost Warhols is that I actually lost my negatives for 25 years. Um, I went on with my life. I, I created other books. I got married. I traveled a lot. And I just kind of you know, it's not that I forgot about them. It's just that I was so busy. And then in 2011, um, 2012, I all of a sudden was inspired to go look for the negatives. I felt this compulsion and I was like panicked. So I had, I looked for 10 days um, and I ended up finding them in an old corrugated cardboard box in a garage by, um, by the Grove, by the farmer's market. And luckily I was able to find 10 of the negatives. Um, and that's when my artist, my, the new chapter in my life began. Um, and so fast forward, the Beverly center went what to my it, website. What was it like seeing those again after so, such a long time? You know, I don't know if you ever saw those ads that American express did. Um, you know, they had those ads where people found treasure, like that yeah. American Express moment where you find something. That's what it was like. It was like such a sense of relief and also a sense of awe, like, oh, my God, look at these pictures. I took. Yeah. <laughs> They're beautiful. Um, they did need to be restored because, um, you know, termites had gotten in and eaten through the... Uh, oh the wax paper. Um, at some point I will print them when I'm very, very old, I'll print them as is. Um, and also, you know, so I ended up, um, having this guy and I believe Andy Warhol spirit started guiding me from that point on. I mean, things just happened for me. You know, I found this guy from the archival department. He restored my negatives. I was then invited to, um, Monaco, to do a, a, an auction and Prince Albert was my first um, buyer of one of the photographs. 
I then was invited to Milan Fashion Week, Amphar, where Sharon Stone auctioned off. And that year I raised almost $100,000 um, for charities. Um, Amphar AIDS, like I raised $65,000 for AIDS. And I got a letter from um, Kenneth Cole thanking me for my contribution. And it was just incredible, you know, the Hearst Foundation bought one of my photographs, you know, and then I started um, immersing myself in the street art uh, world in Los Angeles, which was kind of having a renaissance, you know, and so um, that's when I started conceptualizing, making Andy into the art and creating the Lost Warhol. So by the time uh, the Beverly Center saw my work i had compiled a worldwide collection and mm. so they invited me to come to the beverly center mm. and it's been a beautiful beautiful partnership um and also you know because it was a retail uh location people loved the art but i also realized i needed to put in some fashion and so i started i bought some um jackets and painted on them and invited some friends of mine to paint on them and then i started um promoting some black brands because i have a lot of friends who have um very unique clothing brands yeah and then i had a guy come in diva parto with these amazing rugs i actually have one here i bought one from him yeah so you know i mean i'm a, i'm a very powerful manifester and i went in and i thought i want this to be like my living room I want it to be a creative space that's very welcoming, where people can come collect art. They can also buy um, decorative art and clothing, all curated by moi. And I also have to mention <laughs> I have a very, very talented creative director, um, Robbie Devine, who also has helped me quite a bit. And of course, Steve Galindo, um, who's now curating for me and who's helped me with my brand and my website. You know, you have to have a team and... Um, He's such a sweet guy. We met him um, right after Dominic and I went in there and he just, he literally like went walking around with us and just like talking about every, all the pieces, talking about you and he's a really sweet He knows guy. my brand inside out. He, you know, he's helped create my website. Um, Stephen, you know, I've been mentoring him and I'm just so proud of him because, you know, he did such a great job with Joseph's uh, curation. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so now he's going to work with me as a curator. So, you know, that's what happens in life. I mean, you start out kind of being an assistant and learning and then you start to move on and to create your own brand, you know. Yeah. So Stephen mm -hmm. is doing that mm -hmm. and I'm very proud of him. By the way, so I was at a cafe mm -hmm. the other day and this kind of um, overweight guy with two dogs came by and we were just talk dog talking. And he said to me, you know, I saw you in this outfit the other day and um, I, I really loved it and you inspired me. And I said, oh, oh wow. thank you. And then he, then he, he shared with me um, that he is been struggling with his gender okay you know and that he's actually was a man born as a woman and so i started because he was kind of you know he wasn't dressed specifically as a woman but I, then i looked you know he had like little ponytails and it was just so beautiful that he shared with me and his name was lavender 
And, Aww. you know, I said, I said, that's very beautiful, you know, because we, it's just, everyone deserves to be who they are. Yeah. And, you know, whether you're straight, whether you're gay, whether you're both, whether you feel like you're a, a man in a woman's body. I mean, it's all beautiful. We all are unique um, individuals and, you know, just I believe that through art and through fashion and through music, we can all come together. And that's really my, that's what drives me. How did you feel um, yeah. being able to inspire someone like that, that to be comfortable in their own skin, like how he was, or yeah, like how he was, you know. How he opened up to me and he yeah. didn't know who I was, you yeah. know, he, he opened up to me just because of my unique sense of style that inspired him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were, um, our dogs were playing. I have a little dog named Snow Buddha. Let me bring him. Here he is. He's pretty cute. Um, It's a little Maltese. (laughs) Yeah, it's a Maltese named Snoochie. No, his name is Snow Buddha. (laughs) And he loves everyone. Um, And, you know, it's great because um, that's how this this, uh, lovely man and I, or woman, got together because our dogs were, were playing and, you know, isn't that the beauty of life to communicate, to, to, to meet different individuals and to, um, you know, appreciate. Yeah. I'm curious. What was the outfit? Um, he said I was wearing, oh, it was a red outfit. Yes. Um, I told you that I color coordinate. So it was, it was all red, red shoes, red pants, and then an industry jacket. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Karen, I think that, Jono, that wraps us up, right? Yeah, um, we hit everything on there. And thank you so much, Karen, for coming on. You've been a delight. Um, do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to share with our audience? Yes. Um, please come visit my store at the Beverly Center. Uh, it's called The Lost Warhols. It's on level six. Um, I also curated a show with black artists called Heirs to the Throne, mm-hmm. which is also on the sixth floor. Um, and we have some cool, amazing, amazing art. Um, we also have a life-size rhino covered in real dollars. And recently I got in. Yes, I remember that. Yes, but now we also have a life-size red gorilla. Ooh. Um, Spider-Man. And I have a Snoop dog. I mean, Snoopy, a big Snoopy. Uh, when Jono so, yeah. is in L.A., we're going to come by and check out the new stuff and see you in person, finally. Yes. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Let's do it. Let me know when, and I'll yeah. make sure I'm there. Definitely right. in January. Perfect. In yeah. January. That's perfect. That's perfect. Yes. Wait, you know, I have a lot of amazing um, uh, events lined up, including a Carl Kanai fashion show. Uh, we're just waiting for COVID to calm down. Yeah. You know? So I just, I, I, I want to make sure, just wish all the audience, you know, stay healthy, stay protected, mm-hmm. keep your immune system up. That's mm-hmm. a whole other segment. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to talk to me. About yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> But also, you All guys, right. the Lost Warhol store it is filled with so much beautiful, colorful, like 
works of art that, you know, that is curated by somebody who loves everything that's, you know, different. And if you want to come into this place and just be surrounded by this beautiful artwork, please come by. And buy presents. Yes. And collect you can art. come right now. Come right now. And, go in <laughs> and buy some cool clothes. Karen, for our listeners who are not in LA, because we have an international audience, um, where can they see you or find you if they can't physically come to the store? Um, well, they can definitely find me on Instagram at Karen Bystead at the Lost Warhols, and then my website, www.thelostwarhols.com. And um, soon I will be uh, transferring a lot of what's at the store to the website. But in the meantime, visit me at The Lost Warhols and at Karen Beisted on Instagram. Sweet. Perfect. Thank you, Karen. It was a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me, guys. Yeah. Thank you so much, Karen. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Oh, awesome. So, so I had so much fun. How- she is so interesting and she's someone that I would really want to hang out with. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will in January. Yes. Right. Awesome. So that's the end of the show, guys. Thank you guys for listening. And if anybody's in LA uh, in January, come visit Dominic and I. Of course, we will be social distancing, but hey, yes, you know we can still talk and kiki. All right, guys. See you next week. Awesome. Bye. Bye. This has been Jabber Podcast, produced by Dominic Albano and executive produced by John Madison. Do you have a question or topic you want to share? Email us at jabbrpod at gmail.com. Send us a DM on Instagram at jabberpod. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. Stories and mentions are not meant to hurt anyone and their subtitle parties.